0: You're listening to Season 4, Episode Number 1 of Strike the Match. In this episode, I discuss my decision to join the faculty of Sanford University in Birmingham, Alabama, as well as food for thought on some contemporary issues affecting missions today. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with teacher and missiologist Dr. J.B. Payne. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. Hey, welcome to season four, episode number one of Strike the Match. It is so good that you are listening. I'm very thankful that you are. uh, Wow. Four seasons, or at least starting off season number four, I believe in the official count. This is number fifty-one. I believe this is the fifty-first episode, and I have to admit, I uh, didn't know if there was going to be life beyond season one. Um, you know, when you're the uh, one-man show, uh, it's a lot of work. And so, you know, I'm the official uh, executive producer and director, and sound engineer, and mixing guy, and roadie, and tech guy, and troubleshooter, and all of the above, whatever blank you need to fill in to make a podcast work. And so um, it's, it's nice to be able to be here uh, with you. Moving into Season 4, a lot of exciting uh, things going on in Season 4. Uh, things I'll be sharing, just uh, me and the mic, and then I've got a lot of exciting guests uh, coming up that I'll be uh, sharing with you uh, as we move uh, into the season, uh, Lord willing. Uh, you know I enjoy podcasting it's it's been something that uh, that's been really fun uh, it's not only an extension of ministry uh, but I enjoy the uh, enjoy the fun aspect of it as well uh, back in the uh, well it' was actually several years ago um, and I don't even remember the dates right off I'd have to go back and check those out but um, uh, well over 10 years ago uh, would have been longer than that maybe maybe. Yeah, maybe around 10 years ago. Uh, you know, I actually did a podcast called uh, NorthAmericanMissions.org and uh, talked uh, about issues related to North America and, and missions at that point in time. And and that was back when uh, podcasting the podcasting uh, rage had not caught on. I mean, there were there were quite a few podcasts that were going on, but it, it what, the wave of interest and uh, delight uh, was not out there. And then after about four years, uh, I brought that, uh, brought that podcast uh, to, to an end. And then it was only a few years later that uh, the, uh, the excitement in podcasting took off. So, hey, even though only a few of you listeners out there and I know because you've mentioned it to me, only a few of you listeners out there ever remember NorthAmericanMissions.org and my podcast, uh, I like to think that I had a part to play as an innovator of getting the entire world into the world uh, and rage of podcasting, so I'll just keep dreaming about that. Um, but anyhow, yes, thank you for for being here and being a subscriber. And by the way, if you're not, please do subscribe to uh, Strike the Match. I would greatly appreciate it. Try to do episodes related to matters of missions. Matters related to innovation within the kingdom and obviously kingdom leadership as well. And so I want to encourage you to uh, continue to, to tune in and to share. Really appreciate it when you share this uh, with others in your circles of influence. So I uh, want to give you an update. I want to give you an update on, on myself and on my family. Uh, a few months ago, actually, it was back in June. Uh, So back in June, I announced uh, my transition on my blog, uh, jdpain.org, and uh, talked about my transition to Stanford University. And so I think it'd be appropriate for me to uh, bring uh, everyone up to speed. If you haven't heard about that already, if you didn't read that, then obviously this is maybe news to you. Uh, But for those of you that have, maybe I can share a little bit of insight that I did not put into print uh, electronically on, on the blog uh, but, uh, but yes, so, Lord willing, uh, this fall, uh, actually in just a, a, a few weeks from now, uh, I will be uh, starting at Stanford University as an associate professor of Christian ministry. Uh, it is a, a very, uh, it is a new program uh, that is at the university. It's, it's not uh, with the uh, religion department. Uh, it's actually housed in the School of the Arts, Uh, But uh, the university uh, last year announced a new degree program, uh, a major in Christian ministry, uh, that uh, was to be established under the executive leadership of uh, Dr. Scott Guffin. And uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, housing the the School of the Arts instead of the School of the Arts and Sciences. And the plan involved uh, hiring uh, a professor for this coming fall to teach courses in missions and evangelism. And so I am incredibly honored and blessed uh, to uh, be that individual that is uh, about to begin. Actually, uh, unofficially, I've been uh, doing a lot of work and getting ready for the fall already. But officially, uh, about to begin, not too uh, not too distant uh, future, um, the launch of this program. I'm excited about the launch of this program because it is. I believe, a long-time-coming paradigm shift for the entire university. Uh, if you're not familiar with Sanford University, check out Sanford online. Uh, it's, it's an amazing school. It's been around for, for a while, been around for a long time. Um, but uh, even just recently, uh, just recently, it was ranked uh, number one in Alabama by Ford's, Inc., and uh, the Wall Street Journal in 2018, uh, as the, uh, and also by the U.S. News and World Report. As the number three school in the South, but number one in Alabama, number one school in in Alabama. Uh, so quite quite a a bit of honors that uh, have been recently uh, applied to the university. But anyhow, uh, the 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 environment, the atmosphere for such training, a Christian ministry program, a more practical based training kind of program. Uh, the atmosphere is ripe for such a, a matter. Uh, over the past couple of years, as I've had an opportunity to being here in Birmingham, Alabama, Samford is in Birmingham, so my family and I are uh, staying here in our home here in Birmingham. That's another huge praise as well. Uh, but being here in Birmingham and having done some things with um, the uh, the university over the past two or three years, as I've spoken to administration, uh, faculty, uh, even students in different departments. I keep hearing of a, of a desire for practical ministry training and, and wise missiological thought uh, to be applied not only in this new Christian ministry uh, program with the school, but also a desire across other fields in the university. So you've got uh, areas uh, related to education, related to nursing, related to business, related to uh, history, related to a variety of different disciplines asking and saying, hey, will someone come and help our students? Or if they're students, hey, will someone help us think missiologically, help us to think rightly and wisely about the Great Commission and how that needs to be tied into the vocations uh, that we plan to pursue, to the marketable degrees that we plan to uh, to obtain upon graduation and wherever the Lord may take us. And so I'm really excited about not only being able to work with majors in my own Uh, program within Christian ministry, but also having the opportunity to help equip and train uh, students that are going to be out in, uh, if I can use the word, the secular, the secular marketplace, if you will, both within North America and and throughout the world. So so very excited about that. A little bit of background. So the past six years, uh, I've been one of the pastors with the Church of Brook Hills here in Birmingham, Alabama and just an amazing church, so thankful for this faith family, and again, another incredible blessing of the Lord. My family and I will remain members uh, of the church at Brook Hills here in Birmingham, uh, and just so thankful for, for that that congregation, but i uh, been able to serve as one of the pastors, uh, really three pastors on our pastoral staff team that uh, that dealt with the area of missions, and I was one of uh, three of those individuals, and um. Just a just a, a a wonderful time to be a part of helping shepherd that body. But I will will say that probably about three years ago, maybe maybe a little bit longer now. Uh, as I, I think about the time, I, I sense that the Lord w- was 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 going to be taking me in a different direction. I, I didn't know exactly what that meant. I thought that possibly it would be back into academia. And as time wore on, maybe about two years from now, or two years in history. Two years back, uh, I think that became more and more clear that I would be moving back into an academic role. Prior to coming to Southern, many of you know—excuse me—prior to coming to Birmingham uh, with the Church of Brook Hills, many of you know that I was a a professor uh, at uh, Southern Seminary, uh, where I taught missions and evangelism for ten years. And then before that, uh, in addition to serving with churches, uh, served um, uh, taught at some Bible colleges uh, as well. Even before that, and so. uh, just really have have always had that bent, that heart in the academy as well as uh, the the local church context. And so uh, my philosophy has always been to keep one foot in the classroom one foot in the church and and over time uh, the 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 footprint uh, has has enlarged in, in one area, shrunk in another, and vice versa. And so while I was full-time with, uh, with Southern Seminary, my footprint within the local church and leading uh, as an elder in local congregations uh, was smaller. But uh, when I came to Birmingham, uh, that enlarged my involvement in the academy. Uh, that footprint uh, grew, grew smaller, it shrunk. And so um, now I'm stepping back into a role whereby I will be uh, uh, full-time, uh, as a university professor, and uh, and very excited about it. But at the same time, very excited about continuing to remain on as one of the members with the Church of Brook Hills and being able to serve and use my passions and gifts and talents to uh, continue to lock arms with that group of brothers and sisters uh, as we seek to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. So uh, needless to say, you can imagine... Um, My family and I are very excited uh, about this opportunity, very thankful for this opportunity that the Lord has has put before us. Um, If you know me, uh, I have that that innovative pioneering kind of bent, and to be able to walk into a situation where we're almost building a program, uh, building majors, building minors, building courses from scratch, Um, that's really exciting for me, Uh, being able to help shape a culture, uh, a, a kingdom uh, advancement on on a, on a very large, well, on, you know, a very large university to me. <laughs> it was much bigger than, than Sanford. I went, I went to the University of Kentucky and we had, I don't know, 30,000, 40,000 students. So Sanford's about 5,000 or so students. But um, to be able to shape a, a culture and atmosphere on a, on a on a university's campus to be able to have a large impact domestically and internationally is something that really excites me. And so I really uh, thank you all for those of you that have uh, been praying for me. I know many of you have, and have been sending me updates and encouraging words and emails and texts and things of that nature. And um, uh, just appreciate your prayers uh, in days to come as things, uh, things roll on. And so, hey, if uh, you, pastor or parents, if you, uh, or uh, maybe you fall into the future student category. If you know of uh, a student that is looking for a good school, uh, if you're looking for uh, a place to, um, to be involved in getting uh, your degree and at the same time obtaining uh, a, a, a vision, a worldview of how to wed the Great Commission with, with whatever your major is, uh, be it Christian ministry or maybe it's something in, in marketing or maybe it's something uh, in education, hey, I would love to talk to you. So hey, shoot me shoot me an email, send me uh send me a a contact message on my blog, reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, and I would love to love to follow up with you. I would give you guys my email address, but at the time of this recording, I do not have a new uh, university email account. And so I'm still using uh my my Brookhills email address at this point in time, j at Brookhills.org. Uh and so um whenever they give it to me i will be glad to i'll be glad to let put it out on on uh, twitter and you can you can get it there uh i'm sure it'll be on the the university's website so you can you can check that out as well so anyhow a little bit of, of of an update on on me and on the pain gang and uh very excited about that and looking forward to uh, what the lord will do in in days to come um some other things i think are noteworthy as we um as we kick off this season uh, 4 of strike the match one of the things that i always encourage you to do and i always try to practice myself is to to be be wise stewards with both god's word and uh with his world in other words Uh, I want to be an individual, in the sense of Proverbs 19.2, an individual who has uh, zeal for the things of the Lord, but at the same time, knowledge. Uh, I do not want to be the individual, in that proverb, who makes haste with his feet and misses the way. And so, how do we wed uh, knowledge of what's going on around us with the zeal that comes from knowing the Lord and serving Him and faithfully uh, walking with Him each day. And so one of the things is just being in the know of things that are going on in the world around us. And so so maybe I'll just title this little uh, segment here, uh, Food for Thought. Um, you know, how do we think missiologically about about some of, some of these issues? What are some things that are happening right now in our world? We could go with many of them, but what are some things, Food for Thought? Well, you know, one of the things is... Uh, That uh, CityLab.com. I subscribe to that and get their their articles each day. CityLab.com kicked out uh, an article the other day uh, that uh, the title of it was, Why the Next Silicon Valley Will Probably Be Outside the U.S. And so I'd encourage you to take a look at that. You know, while the United States still leads the charge in uh, what's happening in the tech world uh, there in the Bay Area, uh, there are some exciting things that are happening in majority world countries. And so, as you well know, in many of the majority world countries, there are large numbers of unreached people groups. And so, uh, you know, growing opportunities uh, for for startups, considerable uh, gains in, in those areas. So, hey, pastors. Uh, when you hear something about like that, why don't you, maybe you do, and if you do, I encourage you, uh, but think about how do you shepherd your, your people to the field, uh, particularly your students, uh, students that are in high school, considering going off to college, how can you shepherd them to the field in light of knowing what's going on in the world to best prepare them for that marketplace, to best prepare them uh, for moving into that world with what you have equipped them, in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, kind of what sense, what you've equipped them in the years that they've been with you, to take with them to uh, the marketplace wherever the Lord may be calling them. And so it looks like some hot spots on the globe are going to be coming out of some of the majority world uh, countries. And so they're going to be looking for, they're going to be looking for people to, uh, to come in and work. And so what about your people? What about your uh, junior high students? What about your high school students? What about your college students that are just enrolling in uh, school right now or starting this fall? And so shepherd your people to the field. Be thinking about what's going on in some of the urban contexts outside the United States where there are considerable gains in startups that are taking place because, indeed, the next Silicon Valley may be outside of North America. Hey, on the the side of millennials, so you don't have to go very far to hear about millennials in the news. I remember I'm an Xer. I'm a Gen Xer. No one ever talks about us, and some of you have no idea what a Gen Xer is. You've never even heard that title. Uh, part of the reason is because no one ever talks about us. We're the, we're the overlooked generation. We were small in number between the boomers and the millennials. And so I remember back in the day uh, when the uh, the wave of popularity uh, among the media and the press and among the, the, uh, the business world, and among the marketing world, was all about the baby boomers. Of course, I, we, my generation was young at that point in time. And no one, of course, wanted to market to us because not only did we not have much money, but we were very few in number and didn't have a lot of buying power. But nevertheless, um, I'm not bitter. <laughs> but you don't have to go far to look at what's going on among the millennials. And so something else that just came out this past week, uh, an article that uh, was kicked out. Uh, who, who wrote this one? This, uh, this is actually on CityLab too. Uh, so CityLab put this one out called Do Millennials Prefer Cities or Suburbs? Maybe both, and so uh, it's sort of this debate, uh, some some conflicting research that's out there on where millennials living, and do they have a preference over more of the urban context or the suburban context? And so check it out. Check out the article. By the way, many of these these articles that that I will reference, whether it's on my blog or uh, you know it verbally or whatever, uh, usually I'm, when I read them, I, I put them out there on social media. So if you're not tracking with me on Twitter, um, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram, y- you, uh, you could find these just by doing a Google Google search. But anyhow, i link them out there. But, um, but it's, it's good to be in the know. What's, what's going on among this generation, largest generation living in the United States. So among American millennials, uh, uh the 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 pendulum is swinging back and forth, millennials prefer cities no millennials prefer the suburbs, no millennials prefer cities so you got uh, got some interesting information out there uh that should affect the way we think about doing ministry and engagement and uh lord willing future directions when it comes to this incredibly influential generation. hey another food for thought item i think is uh is worth our time to consider uh when um, we begin to look at some of the things that are happening in just the global world of missions, what's what's going on, where some of the things are taking place, some of the trends and uh, s- uh, s- things of that nature. Um, one of the things that has been taking place for some time is the growth of the Majority World Church. And I wrote about this in my book, Pressure Points, uh, 12 Global Issues Shaping the Face of the Church. It, it, that is a good pressure point, the growth of the Majority World Church, that for 200 years— uh, at least among Protestants, for 200 years the the, the modern-day Protestant missionary movement went into many of these majority-world contexts, and the Holy Spirit did everything that God's Word said that He would do. People came to faith, churches were planted, those churches grew in the faith, those churches multiplied, other people came to faith. And so so now you see the church growing the fastest outside of the traditionally Western world. You see the church um, uh, also being the largest outside of the traditional Western world and that being in the majority world context. And so, so that's exciting. It does raise some challenges. But one of the things that, that I'm concerned about uh, that I keep hearing from time to time or, or I get these whiffs uh, from time to time, uh, and it often, it often comes from someone from the West, a uh, European context or a North American context, and, and it's, it's this notion that the, the church in the West needs to really just just get out of the way of the majority world church when it comes to making disciples of all nations. Um, I heard this uh, very clearly at an event leading up to the Lausanne 2010 event, the Cape Town 2010 event, uh, actually it was a part of a, forum. I wasn't on the stage, but I was in the audience, so there was a forum that took place in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, in which an individual uh, basically said, well, we've got all these problems of the past. Look at these 200 years of Protestant missionary history of colonialism and paternalism where we have gone in and basically not only took the gospel, but we also took our American culture and our European culture and gave it to the people. And so we've created all these problems even today because of our unhealthy practices, our unhealthy missiology, our unhealthy ecclesiology. And so because of the growth of the Majority World Church, we just need to get out of the way. We just need to take a seat. We just need to let the Majority World Church uh, be involved. And, and I, I usually don't hear it that blunt. I do hear it every now and then. It's rare. But I catch, I catch whiffs of, of that attitude, of that thinking uh, today in many evangelical circles. Uh, in in academic circles, in journal, in articles that, I'm, that I've read. And, and so I would, I would say, yes, the West needs to avoid repeating the offenses of colonialism. Uh, we need to avoid repeating the offenses of the colonial-era missionaries. Um, however, this does not mean that the way forward is to assume that the majority world is always right, and the West is always wrong. Now, I know it's not cool to say that right now. It's not politically correct to say that, even in many mission circles right now. But, but it, it is not wise to assume that, one, because we've had a, some unhealthy things in the past, and two, because there's an incredible amount of growth and vibrancy uh, in the majority world church, that therefore the, the majority world is always right, the West is always wrong. And so, so let me share with you some things that, that, I, that I hope that would, would allow us to think about how do we move forward in, in the context in which we find ourselves? How do we move forward in, in a healthy way in light of the world in which we find ourselves? So 7.5 billion people on the planet. There are still 5 billion people on the planet, over 5 billion people on the planet with no relationship to Christ. And over 2 billion of those people have, have never even heard of the name of Jesus. And the United States is home to the third largest number of unreached people groups in the world. And Canada is home to the sixth largest number of unreached people groups in the world. So, in other words, the task is huge and before us. But, but what's, a, what's a good way to think about moving forward in, in light of an unhealthy history in Western uh, Protestant missionary work? And, and we could apply this, to obviously, to... Catholic work as well. Uh, what what is what's what's a way forward in light of our present reality? Well, the first thing I would say is that we should think about partnership, not paternalism. Partnership, not paternalism. I mean, if you think about what Paul writes uh, in Philippians chapter one three through, three through five, he says, "I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy." listen to this, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So here you have a man who's mature in the faith, not only mature in the faith, but, but, but an apostle who has been a part of this new congregation and seeing them birthed out of the harvest, seeing Lydia in her household, seeing Philippian jailer in his household come to faith while he was there, while he was in the stocks with Silas. He was a part of this, but nevertheless, he looks at this young congregation with all of his maturity and with all of his wisdom, and he says, hey, it's about partnership. It's about partnership in the gospel and how you meant so much to me in the expansion of the kingdom. And so I would say we need to keep in mind, particularly those of us in the West, but not just those of us in the West, those of you that are listening from majority world countries, we need to think about how do we engage in partnership. So from a Western perspective, no more paternalism, no more of of, of an imperialistic colonial approach, but, but a partnership. A second way, a second way to think about as, as we move forward is not only partnership over paternalism, but we need to think about when it comes to being here in the West, engagement, not abandonment. Engagement, not abandonment. And I'm specifically talking about the abandonment of our responsibility to carry out the Great Commission. In other words, the going, the making disciples of all nations, the preaching the gospel to all peoples, that still, that still applies to the church in the West, right? That, the application of that, we, we, we do not get a pass. We do not get uh, an opportunity to, to, to pass the baton, as I've heard it said before. We do not have the opportunity to pass the baton to someone else, to another group, uh, to another church, and, and just, just abandon the Great Commission. It still applies to us. It will apply to us until Jesus comes back, regardless of what His Spirit does throughout the non-Western world. And so we have got to make certain that in the process of partnering with brothers and sisters throughout the majority world for the advancement of the gospel, we've got to understand that we have a responsibility to engage. We have a responsibility to engage in the Great Commission as Paul would say, I've declared to both Jews and to Gentiles repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Acts 20, 21. Engagement, not abandonment. Number three, we, we need to think about being in the West. We need to think about contribution, not carelessness. Contribution, not carelessness. So when you think about carelessness, you, you look at that definition, and it's basically a failure to give sufficient attention to avoid error. Uh, in other words, if, if we've got 200 years of wisdom and experience, including wisdom and experience learned from our mistakes, would it not be wise to use that and to share that with brothers and sisters in majority world countries to help them to avoid the challenges, the problems, the potholes in the road that we've already hit. In other words, I would say it would be foolish. It would be a disservice to the kingdom. It would be a hindrance to a healthy body of Christ on planet Earth. If we do not contribute, and and if if we say that we're just going to have this carelessness about it, and and therefore not contribute because we're afraid of our mistakes of the past or we're afraid of making mistakes in the future or we don't have all this figured out, I would say that that's not wise, and that's not a wise kingdom stewardship. So you see, for example, in 2 Timothy 2, 2, Paul is telling Timothy, hey, what you've seen in me, in other words, what you've experienced through my experience, through my wisdom of walking with God and my practice, what are you to do with this, Timothy? I want you to pass it on to other people. In other words, this is not going to end with me. It is not going to end with you. You pass it on to others who will be faithful to pass this on as well. So we've got to understand, being in the West, we cannot be careless when it comes to working with brothers and sisters throughout the world. We cannot be careless when it comes to the Great Commission. We need to contribute. We need to be actively contributing to the advancement of the gospel around the world. Number four. Number four. Let me back up to number three before I jump in number four. You know, you know, one of the things, it just, just an example, and I, I won't unpack this so much today in this, in this recording, but uh, something to think about, some food for thought, so to speak. So, one of the things that I often hear is, well, because those in this particular majority world context are asking for this or that or the other, fill in the blank, therefore, We in the West need to give that to them. We need to provide that for them. We've got to be careful, obviously, because of the paternalism there. But at the same time, and here's what I'm digging at, many of the definitions of success that are found throughout the world, not in all contexts, but are found throughout the world, many of the definitions of success are definitions that have been heavily influenced by the Western world. And you know, some that I'm thinking about right, right off is is the issue of of theological education. For example, um, I mean, is it wise? Is it good for everyone to uh, that's delivering theological education to have PhDs, to have doctorates? Um, you know, what happens when uh, you know? I had a doctoral student one time uh, who was from an African country. He did his doctor of missiology. All right, it wasn't a PhD, but he did his doctor of missiology was planning to return home uh, to teach at a seminary. And now get this, the school, after he returned home, said that he was not credentialed enough. He didn't have a high enough level of education that they had already set up an accreditation program, an approach whereby they had to have PhDs to come into a context whereby there was a very young church. And this, this, this brother, I believe, was more than qualified, overqualified and yet he was declined. Why? Because of a standard that is out there that says you need to have PhDs if you're delivering quality theological education. Now, obviously, I'm involved in academia, I'm involved in education, I believe in theological education, and I'm not opposed to that. But what I'm saying is is that there are certain standards throughout the world of success that it may not be wise and healthy for those of us in the Western world to work toward meeting those standards, work toward accomplishing those desires, even if we're saying, hey, but J.D., we're doing partnership, hey, we're doing engagement, hey, we're contributing, Uh, it may not be wise. Uh, You know, there are a lot of things. I remember growing up in Appalachia in southeastern Kentucky, there were a lot of things that I used to hear from churches of things that they thought were wise and were the standards of success and what they needed to be effective in what they were doing in their part of the world. And many of those were very unhealthy things. But some of those things were even unbiblical things. They were just cultural preferences. And so we've got to be careful when, when we think about contribution not carelessness. How do we participate? How do we engage? How do we partner on a in a wise way? It, it means that we need to have conversations with people throughout the majority world in light of our history, in light of where we are, and in light of their context. You know, we, we you know Paul Hebert and his uh, his model of uh, of contextualization, critical contextualization uh, of of the spirit and the church and the missionaries collaborating in partnership together to discern a way forward uh, in light of a biblical passage. Uh, in light of an issue, in a context, I think we need to do the same thing. We need to apply that model to where we are today. But that means that we don't just assume that the definition of the beholder is always right, and it's always wise, and it's always the thing to do, even if that's what we do. Even if that's what we in the West are saying, uh, this, is the, this is our model, this is how we do it. We have to be honest, to look at our situation and say, sometimes the way forward the more excellent way is not the way that we are even doing it right now. I had a conversation with a pastor earlier this morning, and it was about this very issue of, of, of being able to speak to his church about church planting and, 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 and acknowledging maybe the way we planted this church is not the most effective, the best way to engage lostness moving forward. It's not necessarily evil, but... Maybe we don't need to repeat that, and so I would just say that we need to be careful about what constitutes success. Whether it's theological education, whether it's what is a successful church. I'm planning to go to Korea in the next few months and be working with some some pastors in rural community, rural parts of uh, of Korea. And one of the things that we're going to have to come to understand uh, in uh, some of the training that I'll be doing over about three days is uh, what is success, what is a successful church, and It'll be interesting because we've got to allow the scriptures to speak into this in light of our cultural context. And sometimes the definitions that we want to walk away with are not the definitions of the word in light of the world. Remember, God's word, God's world. And so then number four, last thing to think about some, some food for thought and moving forward, connecting, working with majority world believers in, in days to come. I've already sort of alluded to it, but number four, we need to rethink not resign. We need to, to rethink, not resign. Uh, in other words, we have to acknowledge our history. We need to, to rethink our 200 years, our last 20 years, our last five years of what we're doing, and ask questions such as, what, what does it look like to, to be involved in, in partnering with majority world believers In doing leadership, what does it look like when we work with majority world believers in in healthy ways forward when it comes to use of resources, such as people, time, and most definitely money? So, So how do we need to rethink our strategies? How do we need to rethink our methods? How do we need to rethink our approaches in light of the unreached, in light of the unengaged unreached groups that exist throughout the world? So rethink, not resign, not resign from the task that is set before. So, four things, four items to think about. Partnership, not paternalism. Engagement, not abandonment. Contribution, not carelessness. And rethink, not resign from majority world work. Well, brothers and sisters, I am, again, excited that you are tuning in to this podcast, uh, season four, episode one. uh, Off to a good start. Lord willing, looking forward to having some Excellent, excellent uh, guests on the podcast uh, this season and some other uh, uh, solo uh, podcast episodes that I'll be doing as well. As always, again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your ministry and what you're doing. Continue to share this with others and uh, look forward to next time together. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Payne. You can find J.D. on Instagram, Facebook, or follow him on Twitter at J.D. Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jvpain.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite Android app or at iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.